My name is Mahmoud. I'm Karma. And I'm Umer. You're tuning into Oats for Breakfast, which is an eco socialist podcast based in Toronto. Oats for Breakfast is based in Toronto, Canada, the home of the reigning NBA champions. We describe ourselves as an eco socialist podcast. But that doesn't mean, of course, that we only concern ourselves with ecology-related or environmental issues. As socialists, we consider the entire world of politics and society to be our domain of inquiry and our domain of struggle. We do not claim to have all the answers. We only hope that this podcast can serve as a forum to ask questions and seek answers to contribute to the building of a pluralist, thoughtful, and resilient socialist left in Canada and elsewhere. Ultra Breakfast releases new episodes every Monday. We hope you'll make us a regular part of your podcast listening schedule. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and to share it within your social networks. Also remember that you can become a monthly supporter of the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash for breakfast. Even a small amount of support goes a long way. We realize that a bunch of us who are involved in Oats for Breakfast happen to be Muslim. And since Islam and Muslims are often the subject of contentious political discussion and debate, we thought it might be worthwhile to add our voices to the discussion. So we're going to start the new year off by publishing a series of episodes about Islam and Muslims, titling the series Islam, Identities, Belonging and Phobias. Over the course of this series, we're going to chat about the role that Islam and Muslim identity have played in our lives, while also engaging in a broader discussion about Muslim identity, society, and politics here and around the world. All right, so maybe we should start just uh, with the basics. You know, what is Islam? Who are Muslims? That's kind of hard to, like, just talk about, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Well, like, at least in my opinion, Islam is like a pluralistic system of philosophy with multiple interpretations of it. This is why like, we have multiple camps within the umbrella of Islam. But what if we're not asking your opinion? Correct. <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. What I mean by that is that how, how do we approach, uh, you know, like a basic definition of Islam? It's a monotheistic Abrahamic religion, right? Mm -hmm. A Western religion in the same sort of series of religions as uh, Judaism, Christianity, uh, and yeah. came into being in that same part of the world, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good introduction to it, yeah. 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 Uh, I know, I know, sorry, it's annoying maybe to start with the basics, but, but it's probably a good place. But okay, so then what about Muslims? Um, I guess Muslims are people who are generally thought to be adherents of the religion of Islam? Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes and no, because it seems like it is as much, like culturally, mm -hmm. you can be a Muslim in the same way that a Christian can be kind of culturally, like celebrate Christmas or whatever, mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily be religious. But I guess also in the current context, it's, it's kind of harder to say that you're like a cultural Muslim. Yeah, because yeah. like of the stigma involved in by stating that you're a cultural Muslim or like somehow like professing that you don't really believe in a God or something like that. Yeah, and there's no like, I feel like at some point there was an, like an idea of a secular Islam mm -hmm. in some point that existed. But in recent history, like or in contemporary times, like that hasn't really been a thing. Like when you think Islam, you don't think of 
the kind of thing that you would think of when you think like Christmas or Judaism that is more secular or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of been, you know, become just generally more attached to organized religion in that way. And so like I wouldn't, even though I grew up Muslim, if someone were to ask me like, are you a Muslim? I wouldn't really say yes in the same way that like maybe someone who is casually Christian would say yes, because I know what's attached to that, like what that would mean for mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd have to explain maybe, like I'd have to like give an explanation rather than just assume that that would make me a secular Muslim or just kind of culturally Muslim, right? For me, um, because of the stigma, like in the Muslim community, if you don't believe in a certain deity, I usually profess that I'm a agnostic Muslim or a cultural Muslim in order to maneuver away from that stigma. But in in your own being, how do you identify? Do you identify as a Muslim? Yeah, to an extent. <laughs> well, yeah, so just based on what karma is saying, right? Like, yeah. Like, I, I don't identify religiously as anything, but I wholeheartedly embrace Muslim identity. And partly it's, you know, because fuck the Islamists. Like, Islam doesn't belong to them. You know, Muslim culture doesn't belong to them. The heritage of Muslim history and uh, mm. what all of that represents doesn't belong to those fuckers. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's, there's something to that. Um, because, like, it's been strange. I mean, I before I moved to Canada, too, I never had to really think about this. And then I moved here and I was like, oh, oh, shit, like it means something to say you're a Muslim or not or whatever. It's only when I came here that this different version of Islam that you're like when you're referring to the Islamists, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, shit, am I going to be associated with that when I say I'm Muslim? And mm-hmm. this is this is when I started feeling this like conflict when it yeah. came to the identity p- portion, because I feel like I, I can't like just claiming an identity alone is one thing. But then it's like I'm interacting with a whole world that thinks of this identity in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden I became conflicted as to whether I care enough about it or whether I should just say I'm Arab and people understand the cultural reference, like, uh, you know, how I refer to myself culturally in that way. That's uh, like, like for me, like I relate to that a lot because um, like I, I, I say this a lot, but unfortunately I'm born in Canada and um, I grew Fortunately up- or unfortunately? Unfortunately. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a slight joke. Um, <laughs> And for me, growing up as a as a Muslim and being conscious of the identity of Muslim, of being Muslim, really happened around 9-11. And it goes to the same thought patterns that Karma was alluding to. It's like, what does it mean to be Muslim? Where you're automatically seen as a foreigner if you subscribe to that identity and thus marginalized. But also, like, for me, what's also interesting, too, is that when we're talking about Arab identity, a lot of that Arab identity is mixed within what is deemed in our society to be as Muslim. So you can be a, an Arab Christian or an Arab, like a secular Arab or an Arab Jew and be deemed a Muslim at first glance. Well, yeah. You mean here in Canada? Here in Canada. Because yeah. of the way you look. But let's also, let's work our way to this because I'm not an Arab. <laughs> <laughs> You're not? <laughs> what? With a name like Umer? Come on. Actually, Arabs get confused at that. Yeah, Arab, they do. Yeah, it's They're not like, a common Arab name. No, it's not. They're like, "Well, you mean Omar?" And I'm yeah. like, "No, no, that's my cousin's name." <laughs> it's like I have a cousin named Omar too. <laughs> You're not the only one. Uh, okay, so not all Arabs are Muslim, uh, and not all Muslims are Arabs, even though yeah, those things 
tend to be conflated. In fact, only maybe one in five Muslims uh, globally are Arabs. Mm-hmm. Um, most Arabs probably live in, in the Indian subcontinent where I come from, right? In countries like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Um, you mean mo- most Muslims? Sorry, did I say most Arabs? Yes. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Does he mean You're Muslims? Confirming. See, this is what I just, yeah. I've internalized it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. So most, it's South Asians are um, a large part of the Muslim world. But then, of course, not all South Asians are Muslims. In fact, most South Asians are Hindus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the country with the most number of Muslims is, of course, Indonesia. Indonesia, which no one ever thinks about. No. And that's in Southeast Asia. None of us are Indonesian. No. Um, so anyway, so this is a kind of, there's a lot going on. There's, there's a great deal of complexity in the Muslim world, who the people are who would refer to themselves as Muslim. And the way they practice Islam often is intertwined with their cultural kind of world. And it's all kind of distinct. There are some similar elements, of course, but... Um, okay, so now we have that. So you guys were talking about... So Mahmoud, you were talking about growing up Muslim in Canada. And I had that too. I grew up here, partly. I, I came here when I was nine. And I grew up under the shadow of 9-11. And that was interesting. You want to you wanna tell us more about it? What was your experience like? Well, like um, when I was seven, I couldn't really articulate what I was actually feeling. And so like I was like kind of operating in like social scenarios under the guise of fear. A fear being associated with, with like people like with radical like Islamists, right? But like as I grow older, I realize it was much more like existential rather than like the feeling was existential rather than political in a sense where my whole like I was that was a, probably the most that was a time where I was most conscious of my identity in Canada when you were seven when I was seven not and then and then you shaved your beard off <laughs> unfortunately yeah I, I, what's funny is I shaved my beard to come to this podcast right just to stab the Wah- like to stab the Wahhabis in the back right no, I'm kidding yeah. um it, for me what I mean what I mean by that is that I that was the first time I was aware of uh of that I'm Arab or that I'm Muslim. Because like where I grew up when the majority of the people who I grew up with were Christians. And when I was a kid, they were like like there was kids pushing certain rules of Christianity on me. It's like, do not say the Lord's name in vain, kind of stuff like that. Like it was kind of weird. Man, where did you grow up? Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I grew up in Etobicoke. Okay. Yes, Etobicoke was, you know, less immigrant y back then. Yeah. Yeah, I it's interesting for me because I've like, sh- like, yeah, nine eleven happened. And it didn't mean much for me when I was like living in Jordan. I mean, it meant something because I knew it was a big deal. But yeah, I wasn't like I didn't deal with any other repercussions like shortly after. Um, and then when I came here, I came in two thousand eleven, so it was like quite a while after. And like the processing had happened, and the response to Islamophobia has like you know has been like well underway. And so I didn't, it was weird because I was like, okay, I'm supposed to, like, I was expecting to maybe like deal with something. And then I was like, I don't feel like, <laughs> because, you know, I don't wear a hijab. Like, I'm not like, you wouldn't know I'm a Muslim right away. Um, I guess like racially ambiguous generally. And so like, if you had a conversation with me and it was like, oh yeah, like, sure. Yeah. My family grew up Muslim. If they'd be like, oh, do you celebrate Christmas? And I like explained the whole thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh uh, like God, sort yeah. of, like kind of, but not really. Um, 
and like what I started facing actually was like if I ever so in high school okay I had a critique of the hijab just of the of the hijab more generally so not of anyone wearing a hijab or anything like that obviously but like I growing up in Jordan like I had a critique of the hijab you know and I, th I thought of it as oppressive and so I, I brought this up in one of my classes and I was like immediately shut down. Like this would never be shut down in Jordan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I... You brought it up in one of your classes sorry, here in, in Canada. In Canada right? Yeah. So after I came here, mm. which was an, inter an interesting thing and it was just completely shut down and it was called like Islamophobic. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Like I grew up Muslim. <laughs> uh, so I was very confused by this. And yeah, this is when I realized that the, the conversation is really not... I was like expecting it to be a little bit more evolved given mm -hmm. that like 9-11 at this point is many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And we seem to be stuck in like just not wanting to have a conversation past, um, okay, no criticisms of Islam mm -hmm. like or mm -hmm. any kind of criticism of Islam is Islamophobic since this is what we've been seeing. And obviously there's a history to this and everything. We can go more into that, but that was my mm -hmm. general experience when I first, first got here. Yeah, that is really interesting that in what are Muslim majority societies people have for generations raised critiques of Islam and mm -hmm. uh, Muslim, uh, you know, Muslims have often said, well, maybe the hijab isn't a good idea. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, so in the context we find ourselves in Canada, that can be perceived as Islamophobic. And you get the, you know, you can understand, I suppose, because, yeah, I mean, growing up in post 9-11 Waterloo, Ontario, <laughs> in the suburbs, you know, it was, uh, yeah, that was definitely a moment that, like, when it happened, I understood. Like, I was just, what, how old was, would I have been, like, 12 years old? I, no, at 13, I would have understood, I understood that this was something that is going to change my life. It's going to change the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and it did. I mean, you know, you there was a perception of kind of anti-Muslim sentiment in the air, and and it was certainly in the broader popular culture, you had, you know, Jack Bauer on 24 chasing down the terrorists and, you know, you need to torture them to get the, the codes for the bomb or whatever. You know what's interesting about that point is that it seemed that the kernel of Islamophobia was existing prior to 9-11 because, like, you brought up the cultural, like, the cultural, like, artifacts, like, 24 ch chasing the down to terrorists and it so happened to be someone of Muslim descent, right? Mm -hmm. But you see in films all the time, like they present the Middle East or South Asia as backwards, high, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, they shouldn't put South Asia in that. No, they should just focus on my people, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know what I mean? And, they, and it's been building up, it's been like, and what really crystallized that, that I would say what really erupted, that sort of like phobia erupted I would say at like 9-11 itself, where it just unleashed. Yeah, well, okay, so I mean, I, I don't want to suggest that I was like all of us, I don't know what it was like for you, Mahmoud, but I didn't like all of a sudden, you know, come under siege from Islamophobia. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, there, there was something in the yeah. air that changed, like, you know, you had certain interactions that were a little bit more uh, weird. You know, you'd get like called packy a lot more. That kind of thing, um, which wasn't nice. And even, you know, growing up, going on to, to university, mm -hmm. like you'd still see, and that was like in the mid-2000s for me, you'd still see like in the washrooms, you'd see like anti-Islam sort of scribbles and these kind of things. And I think despite all of that, despite whatever Islamophobia that may uh, may have existed and still to an extent obviously is there, 
I, I would argue that Canadian society is, relatively speaking, quite civilized when it comes to these kinds of things. You know, people generally aren't shitty to each other. They're kind of like standoffish. They don't really know, like, oh, why do, why do the women wear that thing? Uh, <laughs> but they're nice about it. Uh, so that's my sense. Yeah. I remember, like, I one of my friends who did wear a hijab was like, you should wear a hijab for a day and, like, go out and see how people treat you. I wore a hijab for a day one time. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember that day. Do you not actually? Well, technically speaking, hijab is not the term for the covering, is it? It's the, the hijab is a general term. And Muslim men, of course, also have to dress modestly, right? Well, yeah, and then hijab generally can mean, like, just having a hijab between you and the like public world. Yeah, there's all these interpretations of what it means, and that's why like it's contested ground as to like is it a, just a like physical thing or is it a more whatever. Anyway, point is going back to the, the point you were talking about in terms of interactions with people. Like I thought about that, and that I think that's true. Like I think there is something to be said about like you were saying. Like why are you wearing that thing on your head? Or like mm-hmm. does that make you like weird? Does that mean like you know you get shat on by her husband or something like i think there are all these conceptions and i don't think all of them are i I, like you know there's there are things that have happened in canada and in other places in the world uh, that will give people this general impression even if it's obviously not like completely true and i don't think we found like a good way to navigate those discussions in a way that wouldn't be sort of like overly protective of islam in a way that's not honest but also in a way that wouldn't completely just kind of like be like, well, you know, if you're a Muslim or if if you're like engaging in any of these practices, then you must be like barbaric. Like we haven't found uh, a balanced way of doing that. And Mm -hmm. people are kind of just scared about of talking about it, right? Because it's like, if you do bring up and you're like, okay, well, why do people have this? So so 9-11 is a thing and 9-11 will make you think, you know, terrorism. But then if you you think about like women's issues, for example, right? And that's like something I've been concerned with because... Mm -hmm. I have seen, like, I've seen a lot of Muslim women be treated very badly, and I don't think that's okay. And having a discussion about that and being like, okay, you know, how can we criticize Islam? How can we talk about this in a way that's constructive and that's not, like, that's going to actually maybe, like, break a stigma, but also not be overly protective of something that's hurting other people? I don't know. I don't know exactly what a good way to do this would be, especially considering the conversation involves a lot of different people. Well, let me put a question to you guys. I have comrades, especially comrades from like Turkey or Iran, who will say, what is this Islamophobia? (laughs) I'm an Islamophobe. I hate Islam. (laughs) Look what it's done to our societies. Yeah. So, I mean, what would you guys? Yeah, I I usually when someone like when that discussion is brought up, it's like, okay, we have to talk about Islam's development, Mm -hmm. like what it used to be, what it has become. It, It wasn't always perceived in the same way. You know, you look at certain things like the hijab wasn't really, it's, it's, it is more of a kind of contemporary thing in the way that people use it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, how have we gotten to this point where Islam is what it is? Like, I remember having this discussion with my father and my father has a very particular interpretation of Islam, okay? Where he goes, you know, drinking is not haram, actually. Like this is, and he, he truly believes this. He's not like trying to be, he's like, no, no, the Quran will say that drinking is not haram. And so, okay, I go like, okay, like why why is it that you are right and all these other Muslims, which are the majority at this point that believe otherwise are wrong. 
and you know like this is the first time that i was like he was like listen like it's not always been like this all right <laughs> <laughs> like um and so yeah like looking at at least in the arab world for example i know there's a development that happened differently in different parts of the world but if you look around the time when you know a, a more secular kind of pan-arab movement mm -hmm. was prominent and you th think of the role of i, I guess it's the wahhabi is like the the saudi arabia version of islam that has that was like what's the word exported from saudi arabia and and how it played a role in crushing those movements that were were majorly secular and popular at the time you start to kind of get an idea of why it is that islam now is the way it is and why that gained popularity um and how how we how we got here and and that's when you think okay so then is it islam <laughs> primarily or is there is there more to it right is there a, a bigger kind of political environment and, and a political agenda here that we really should be tackling when mm -hmm. we're talking about Islam and we're, we're criticizing it um, versus, you know, Islam at its essence or something, as if it has an essence or as if it, it means only one thing and it all, always has. That's another interesting point because it seems like people assume that there's a sort of like unchanging and central characteristic of Islam, mm -hmm. both on, I would say, the left in Canada, but also the Wahhabis themselves, and like, especially when she brought up that the sort of Wahhabism that's been exported from Saudi Arabia that filled the vacuum when the Pan-Arab movements failed, right? And I think we got to be suspicious of how we frame what Islam is, right? Especially in the political sense or even in like theological terms. Okay, but this is, so for me, I mean, do we want to contest the terrain of what Islam is on on the terrain, uh, do we want to be on the terrain of doctrine, or do we want to be on a different terrain? Do we want to be on the terrain of lived Islam and the way that it's actually quite heterogeneous? You know, for m my family, friends back home, there is a sense that they are living in a way that is how Muslims live, um, and they kind of give a nod to the doctrine, and then they go on living their lives as modern mm -hmm. human beings in a world that's not like. 7th century Arabia <laughs> where you know only if right <laughs> you know so personally my sense is that we we give too much to the islamists to the fundamentalists when we say that uh let's talk about doctrine because that's not what islam is that's not what muslims are muslims do lots of different things and they you know live islam in lots of different ways that's what islam is and it's actually this really weird, you know, somewhat bad, but somewhat good thing, uh, like all human creations. And, you know, it's interesting. And it's not this bland kind of like handed down from heaven uh, thing that that's there for all time in all places. Like these people want to interpret it. And this is the problem, right? Like um, the problem of these like sort of new atheist types yeah. who interpret Islam in the same way as the Islamists do. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's true. Like what, so like m my father's reaction to all of this has been to be like, no, I'm going to go back to the doctrine and prove to you that you're wrong. So I, I think that's like one reaction to it. Um, and I agree. I don't think you, th that's what I, like I was saying, like the, there was no, there's no actual essence. So you can't actually say, well, the doctrine is what Islam is. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the idea of it, it hasn't always been this way yeah. is pointing to that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's pointing to the idea that given that, it hasn't always been this way. Like given that it's not like people have interpreted Islam in this particular way 
forever. And at some point, a very popular interpretation of Islam was different or people just interacted with it differently. Or like you were saying, considered themselves Muslim under different standards, right, completely. But like the point that you were making, Mahmoud, about the the Wahhabi thinking of Islam, like it's a broken, there's no memory of, or, or I guess they think of themselves as having come to the truth that they're they're trying to, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly. Like the approach, I guess, is just like, yes, the, the, the Wahhabis, there seems to be no memory of what Islam used to be or it's like a, this is the real Islam that we're now bringing to mm-hmm. kind of a, to, to fix a corrupt, a rotten core, right? And this is like the, the cause of all of our problems. And it makes sense as like the region has just steadily been incomplete or like, you know, the third world generally has just been steadily in more, like yeah. just in more shit every day, right? I think to combine both Umer's and your point, um, because I want to talk about the the new atheist perspective and the the Wahhabi's perspective and how that fits into what you just said, that there there hasn't been a remembering of the past. And it, it points to the, there there hasn't been like a historical understanding of Islam and, and throughout its different phases of evolution. Because the, the like, like what the media usually presents the Islamic world as a as a homogeneous entity, when in reality it's divided into different traditions, different practices. So we're all painted in one brush. But you know, the I feel like the that's true. But then there is a certain kind of Islam mm-hmm. gaining more traction. Yeah, and I think of it more of like a political. It's kind of like a. a it seems like a rather than just simply a sort of spiritual traction. Yeah. It seems like a political kind of traction, right? And there's context that that made that possible. And so, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a really important point to discuss when we talk about Islam. Because I feel like the way like we re- usually talk about Islamophobia, like no one talks about this stuff. Like no one really goes into the details of what fundamentalism comes with. Uh, no one's talking about like like why a vision of Islam has been formed like past 9-11, like that'll mm-hmm. be the end of it is like, they'll say like things like Orientalism or othering or 9-11 um, or, you know, like we think of mm-hmm. other, like like as barbaric and it's like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't just stop there though. Like it, the conversation is, is, is more dimensional and there are other, there's, con- there's a political context around this that we have to discuss. Yeah. And well, and I think not to let the Saudis off the hook, <laughs> no, but never. I do think that uh, you know we do maybe give them too much credit when we describe the rise of sort of fundamentalism, right? And the fundamentalist sort of branch of Islam. We give and we say like, well, this is just the Saudi export. I mean, I think that you know there's lots of instance of this not being a Saudi, like you know the Ikhwan in in Egypt, for mm-hmm. instance, the the Muslim Brotherhood, yeah, or the Jamaat Islami in in South Asia. These are, you know, fundamentalist political organizations that seek to subsume all of life under a certain kind of Muslim identity, Mm -hmm. uh, all of politics certainly under a Muslim identity. And they do this, you know, uh, there is something about modernity actually that creates this reaction, right? It creates this response from within, you know, Muslim societies. There are elements within those societies that, that critique modernity mm-hmm. from within Islamic doctrine and say, look at the rise of the West and all of the horrors that it brings. And it, it brought a lot of horrors to uh, Muslim-majority societies, including colonization and and whatnot. And they, they provide a critique 
Uh, and they say, well, the way that you overcome these depredations is to return to the, the this fundamental core mm-hmm. of of Islam. Um, and a for all, sorry, like a golden age. Yeah, and for a long time, these people were, you know, a laughing stock because mm-hmm. so many people in the Muslim world had other ways of critiquing capitalist modernity, and that was, you know, socialism and communism. Right. Yeah, uh, because for a very long time, Muslim societies were home to the largest communist movements, you know, yeah. outside of the the so-called communist world. And yeah, and so, you know, you can be Muslim in your everyday life and your religious life and politically you understand yourself as a as a socialist. I mean, this is now becoming harder and harder to do, right? I like something that I guess generally though like when we're talking about this kind of like merging of identities I think one thing, like at least in academic circles that has started to arise is this idea that if you are trying to like separate those things out or like you're like trying to say, well, you know, I could be sort of a, a, like a Muslim culturally and still be like a socialist, people will somehow like think of that as a colonized way of thinking. Okay. Meaning like socialism is a Western sort of construct. And if you're trying to separate that out, so sure, you can have that with your Islam, you know, and have like the the current sort of Islamic, the, the contemporary popular Islamic uh, ways of living together. And that would be a non-colonized way of, of thinking. But if you're saying, well, no, you know, I think, you know, these there should be certain standards for women. So this is my feminism. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's okay for women to kind of be like shoved to a side or be told how to dress or whatever. But I, you know, I also want to be a Muslim. That will be like, that's that's a colonized way of thinking. And you've allowed a colonizer to come tell you what to do. And so it's, it's, you're not liberated, essentially. Um, and that, no, what, what is truly liberation is to embrace the the Islamic, you know, and, and, and you know, be, be happy with it. Like, and it's, it's just it's just strange logic that comes out of these things, you know, what it means to be liberated or whatever. I mean, so it's like, if, if you're claiming, if you have a critique of something like the hijab, then that is that is white feminism. And so you could be a feminist, but you got to be an Islamic feminist. And, and it's actually shoved on you, right? Uh, which I think is just a really strange, generally strange thing. I, I totally agree what Karma said, because it's almost like an inverted Orientalism. So that's what's interesting between, let's say, like identity politics or postmodern thinking. And ironically, um, like Islamist thought is that they correspond in that in that way in terms of like, they they present Islam as like this essence, and therefore it becomes like transhistorical. It's removed from any context, yes. right? It's t- it's taken as if it exists in a vacuum mm-hmm. that is yeah. like and like vaguely applies to people. And you're like, okay, so how would I ideally think about this thing that supposedly doesn't exist on the ground, that doesn't have a history to it, that hasn't developed and changed and like continues to and is different currently in like very different contexts and subjects, and try to like theorize it in that way, yeah. and that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I think this whole idea of like, you know, sometimes in certain circles, when you identify yourself as like so a socialist or, a, a, you know, whatever, having some affinity with Marxism, <laughs> you get treated like, you know, it's like, oh, but you're brown and like, that's a... Oh, it's seen as a white thing. It's a white thing. It's yeah. interesting. I wonder what like the Indonesian peasants must have uh, felt when, you know, if like, if they w- were to be accused of... Being Marxist? Well, well, no, because they were. Many of them yeah. were Marxists, and then they were massacred after the 1965 coup. 
And since then, Islamism has been used as a mean, as a bludgeon to, you know, put down the left all across the Muslim world. I mean, this is where, I'm sorry, but the secularist Arab nationalist projects, whether it was Nasser or the Ba'ath Party in in Iraq, they had common cause with the Islamists in in putting yeah. down the no, left. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's one of my biggest critiques of Nasser is that he crushed like the communist movement in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So maybe at this point we can pause because we we can end this as uh, as our first in our series of discussions. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning into a, the first part of our series on Islam. The next episode in the series we publish on Monday, January thirteenth. So make sure to tune in then as well. I'm not going to be featured in the next episode. Uh, Sadia is going to take my place. She's smarter than I am. So if you made it through this episode, you'll definitely want to tune in next time. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at contact at oatspodcast.com. Remember to subscribe and share our content and also consider supporting us by going to patreon.com forward slash oats for breakfast and becoming a patron. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.